Hey everyone, before we get into the stories, I just want to say that these are not your typical scary stories. I don't think I would even classify these as scary stories, but they are very unsettling and disturbing. I really hope anyone listening to this never has to submit a story like this, because it truly is awful. Nevertheless, there's still stories that I think need to be told. If you've ever had a really bad car accident involving a drunk driver, you may want to skip this one. I know that that can be absolutely traumatizing, so if you don't want to listen to this one, I totally understand. Without any more further interruptions, let's go ahead and get into the stories. I'm a 17-year-old female, and the story happened almost five years ago. I honestly remember it like it was yesterday. Now, I'm not the best writer in the world, and I'm kind of bad at explaining things, so I'll try my best to make this story as clear as possible and easy to understand. But first, let me give you the layout of my neighborhood. I live in a nice big neighborhood. It's safe, quiet, and nothing bad ever really happens here. The part of the neighborhood that my house is located at is opposite of a gas station slash convenience store, where a lot of people who are on the road a lot, or that live around in the neighborhood, buy snacks or whatever, as well as something for dinner, because there's a restaurant there. So it's basically like this. There's a main road that's facing in a vertical direction. Next to the main road on the right hand side is the gas station. And then opposite the gas station, also on the right-hand side, is my neighborhood. I hope that makes sense because it's an important note for the story. Anyway, let's get into the actual story now. It was the night of October 20th, 2018. It was a Saturday, and 13-year-old me was watching a TV show in the living room. At around 10 p.m., I had heard a loud crashing sound, which definitely sounded like a car crashing into another car. The sound of the car swerving after they crashed into one another gave me the chills. My mom and my sister both came out of their respective bedrooms, and I then asked them if they had heard the sound as well. Of course they did. I really don't know why I asked such a dumbass question. I think it's because I just didn't want to believe what I was hearing was real. I mean, I've never heard anything sound like that before. You could hear that crash from the depths of the ocean, that's how loud it was. I don't remember who said that we should go check it out, because the next thing I remember is the three of us walking out the door and then walking down the street to the gas station. It's about a one minute walk to the gas station, and on our way there, we saw a couple of our neighbors coming out of their houses and also heading in the same direction as us. As we cornered the street and approached the gas station, there was a horrible scene waiting for us. Yeah. You probably already know what I'm talking about. The car accident. There were two vehicles involved. It was some kind of white Toyota and then a smaller red car, which I don't know what kind it was. I don't know what the make of the red car was because it was impossible to tell because it was so badly damaged. As we stood there witnessing this accident that lay before us on the main road, almost everyone called the emergency services. Gas station employees, customers, neighbors, everyone. While all that was going on, I had asked my mom if I could run home real quick because I wanted to go fetch my three-month-old mini Doberman Pinscher. 
She was so tiny, and I didn't want my baby to be alone at home because I knew it would be gone from home for quite a while. With my puppy in my arms, I locked the front door and I headed back to the gas station where both my mom and sister were still standing at. The police, ambulance, etc. were all there when I arrived. Now, let me tell you just exactly what happened on the road that night. It was pretty obvious to see what happened and what driver was the one that caused the accident. You didn't have to be a detective to know what happened. So, picture a vertical line with an arrowhead at the top. That's the main road. At the top of that line where the arrowhead is at is where the white Toyota truck was facing with its nose towards the red car at the bottom of the line. So now the cars are facing each other, on opposite lanes of course. The Toyota is going down, and the red car is going up the vertical line. In my country, we drive on the right-hand side of the road, so that's where the cars were positioned on their respective lanes. Anyway, the red car is driving at the appropriate speed limit, while the Toyota guy is driving like a fucking lunatic, thinking he's Vin Diesel. The red car is just about to turn into the right to the street that leads you past the gas station and then into the neighborhood. Well, as the red car is making the turn, Toyota guy crashed nose first into the left side of the red car, causing both of the cars to forcefully turn into the opposite directions that they were originally going in. The people who were in the red car were a husband and wife, and they were killed on impact. Both of them had their seatbelts on. The husband was driving and the wife was in the passenger seat. The Toyota guy was thrown out of his own truck after that forceful turn. The truck's driver's side door was open, and the dude was just lying face down on the sidewalk. It was so easy for him to fly out of the truck because he clearly didn't have his seatbelt on. We all thought he was dead. He was lying there unconscious for quite a while until he got right back up and walked back to his truck with a confused look on his face. He was so intoxicated that after even being violently thrown out of his own truck and landing on the sidewalk, the alcohol probably temporarily made him indestructible because that motherfucker was completely unscathed when he got up. His wide Toyota truck was also pretty indestructible because there wasn't a single dent, scratch, or anything. Then there's the red car that looked like a giant was kicking it around like a football. I can still remember when they covered the bodies with this foil-looking sheet-looking thing. One of their lifeless hands wasn't covered, and there was blood dripping from the fingertips. The crimson red blood linking from underneath the car will forever play over and over inside my head. We found out by one of our neighbors who worked at the gas station that Mr. Toyota Man had a pregnant woman in the passenger seat. Yeah, she was fucking pregnant, and he wasn't even driving her to the hospital so I'm not even sure why he drove that night. I guess the paramedics took her out of the truck because the passenger door was also open. I didn't even know she was in the car. I really hoped she and that unborn baby were okay. After all that happened, my mom's sister and I and the puppy all walked back home. We got back home at around 1 a.m. The three of us all just decided to cuddle up together in my mom's bed, with the puppy too, of course. We didn't sleep that night, and I'm honestly surprised that my mom allowed the dog to lay on the bed with us. I shit you not, when my mom put on the TV, Final Destination was playing on one of the channels. I thought that was really ironic. 
The Toyota guy did end up being charged with drunken driving and culpable homicide, according to the articles in the local paper. If you don't know what that is, because I sure as hell didn't, I'll go ahead and explain. Culpable homicide, according to the law in my country, and thanks to Google, is an unlawful, negligent killing of another human being. There's different meanings of this that go more in depth that I'm not going to include here. I did some further research, and it's also a non-bailable charge, with imprisonment up to 10 years with or without a fine. I'm not really sure if he did end up going to prison, but he most definitely did if I had to guess. I only found out what he was charged with just a couple of days ago, when I looked up the article of the accident to prove more information for my story. This experience showed me how neglectful your actions can drastically ruin your life and the lives of other people. How you can be living normal everyday life and have that life taken away from you in just the blink of an eye. My mom later told me that the deceased couple lived somewhere in our neighborhood and that's why they turned right. They were just driving home and they were so close. Rest in peace to the couple whose lives were taken so tragically. Stay safe everyone. And remember to think before you do something that could possibly ruin your life, as well as the lives of other people. And please, everyone, don't drink and drive. My name is Corey. I'm 29 years old from Innisfil, Ontario, Canada, which is located about an hour north of Toronto, Ontario, around the region of Lake Simcoe. While the story may not be over-horrifying in nature, I just hope that this story will send a clear message to those who get behind the wheel under the influence of alcohol or drugs. One mistake can change everything and can lead to life-changing consequences for those who are affected. The story takes place about 10 minutes away from me in Barrie, Ontario. It was December 1st, 2022. I had finished my shift at my regular job during the day as a custodian at my hometown elementary school. I also worked part-time with the Barry Colts, a junior hockey team for the Ontario Hockey League, or OHL. To better understand, it's essentially one of the three major junior hockey leagues in Canada where players would play to try and make it into the NHL. I basically would work some home games as the team mascot. On this night in particular, it was the Barry Colts facing one of their big-time rivals, the Owen Sound Attack. So from my house to the arena, it would probably take me about 15 to 20 minutes. So my route would be from my home in a subdivision, then onto a side road or back road, then take a ride on a major road that would take me through a small neighborhood town called Stroud. Then I'd take another left to another back road, then i get to the edge of the south end of Barry. I had took a shortcut to an industrial area where my dad works as a way to avoid all the major traffic volume. As around this area of Barry, for those who know this area, it's one of the major streets in the city that connects to one of the busiest highways in Ontario. Highway 400 to be exact. It was the afternoon rush time traffic, and it can really be a bitch to get through if you're trying to get home. This area is also traffic heavy and pedestrian heavy around game nights, whenever the Barry Colts play their home games, where people would park their cars across the street and then walk to the arena which is around 6.45 p.m. I approached a set of lights on the intersection of Bayview Street and Mapleview Street, waiting for the light to turn green. I then get a call from my buddy Adam, who works for the Barry Colts. 
Hey, Corey. How far are you, buddy? The fans are waiting in excitement for the Charlie Horse. Charlie Horse is the name of the mascot for the hockey team. I reply back. Yeah, man, I'm right near the arena. I'm just waiting in the lights on Bayview and Mapleview. I'll be at the parking lot in like five minutes, I'd say. Okay, bud. Sounds good. See you soon. Adam said. And then at the exact moment as I ended the call with Adam, I heard this loud metal crunching sound that startled the shit out of me. My first initial thought was maybe a UPS truck that I saw driving past me going eastbound, and maybe they hit a bump, and the back door latched up, and parcels dropping, but it wasn't. I then looked at the corner of my eye, and I saw a blue and yellow Nike shoe flying towards me, and then hit the windshield of my Subaru WRX. Thankfully, no scratch, but as I looked towards my slide left, at a distance of maybe 25 to 30 meters away from me towards a gas station, my heart sank at what I witnessed, and I couldn't believe what I saw. There was a car accident that involved a Dodge Ram 2500, a Mazda 3 hatchback, and I believe a Chevy Trax. As I looked at the Dodge Ram near the traffic island, I had seen two people face down to the ground, not moving. It freaked the living fuck out of me because it's the first time in my life that I've ever seen a car accident, as well as a real-life person not moving in real time. I called 911, and I let them know what happened. I couldn't stay on the scene as I needed to get into the arena to work for the hockey game. As I got to the arena, my mind was full of anxiety because I still couldn't believe what just happened. Then I bumped into Adam. The conversation went as followed. Hey man, I don't know if you heard or not, but as soon as I got off the phone with you, there was a really bad accident on the turning lane to Mapleview. It was right outside of our arena. Three cars were involved, and two people hit. Holy shit, are you serious? I gotta notify the arena staff on the situation. That's literally two accidents outside the arena area in two weeks, Adam said. Two weeks prior to this incident... A man in his 70s was hit by accident in the same area just outside of the arena right after the hockey game was finished. He was walking across the street. Thankfully, however, he did survive. Traffic had to be rerouted after the hockey game was finished, as police, fire, and ambulance were on the scene overnight. I didn't hear any updates on that accident until the next day, and it was from an article on Facebook. From what I had seen on Facebook from our local news station, a woman in her early 30s was traveling towards the turning lane towards Mapleview, facing towards the highway. She then struck two vehicles, but she also struck three pedestrians, who are Special Olympic athletes, who are literally just walking their way down to see a hockey game. What was also noted too was that the woman who's a mother of two was driving under the influence of alcohol and crystal meth. The people that were hit had to be transported to Toronto via air ambulance. Despite the horrific experience and those who were involved, the victim survived, and the woman was charged, and rightfully so. As I write this story, it's February 25th, 2022. The accident victims are making good recovery progress, and the woman's currently on trial for the car accident. That night in December still gives me shivers to this day, as it was truly shocking to see a moment of life and almost near death. Thank you all for listening to my story. I'm going to leave a couple of links for proof in the description, but please people, 
please be smart behind the wheel. Don't fucking drink and drive, or get high and drive. This can really impact anyone you know or love. Life's too precious for something that makes a drastic impact in a matter of seconds. Please be safe. Our day had started just like normal. My fiancé Sammy headed out to work, and I'd also headed out to drop off our son Jordan off at my granny's. It was a 30-minute drive, as we all lived in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and my granny lived in Racine. I got to work by 6.30 a.m., and I was working a double shift. At lunchtime, Sammy came into the restaurant to see his mom and I. He was supposed to work until 8 p.m. or so, and I told him I'd get Jordan after I got off work, and that I'd see him at home. It got busy, so I had to take some orders and do stuff. I remember him whispering to me, I love you, and I'll see you later, and I smiled at him. That was the last time I got to see him alive. 7 p.m. rolled around, and I got to be done early. I drove to pick up our son, only to find out Sam had gotten out of work early, and he had picked up the baby, trying to surprise me, I guess. We didn't have cell phones, by the way. Not reliable ones, anyway, in 2003. Granny made a comment that Jordan didn't want to go. She went on to tell me that Jordan threw an absolute fit when they were leaving, and how he just kept saying no. He was normally a very mild-mannered baby, and for him to not want to go with Sammy was extremely unusual. I headed home, expecting to find the boys, but instead, I was met with an empty house. It was around 9pm, and they still hadn't arrived. Sometime later, I received a call. It was that call, telling me there had been an accident, and that I needed to get to the hospital quickly. Before I could even leave, the phone rang again. It was Sammy's dad who was at another hospital with him. The doctors had him stabilized. They were waiting on the arrival of medical helicopter so he could be flied to a larger hospital in Milwaukee. Sammy's dad wanted me to tell Sammy I love you, as well as other things, because he thought that Sam would pass before I could get there. I was told that our son was at another hospital. I could hear ragged breathing and beeps in the background, as his dad put the phone by him at some point. I said what I needed to. I hung up the phone numbly, trying to keep myself together, because I still had our son to worry about. I drove to the hospital where our son was first, I don't remember feeling anything, really. I got to Kenosha Medical Center in five minutes, probably. I walked into the ER, and I saw a cop that I went to school with. Our eyes met, and she then just said to me, Oh, Becca, I'm sorry. I was then pulled aside by her into a private room. She asked me to have a seat. I really don't remember if I sat down or not. They informed me that my fiancé and son were hit head-on and then crashed into a guardrail by a wrong-way drunk driver who had his wife and two kids and a dog in the car with them. Sammy must have seen it coming. He tried to swerve, but where exactly can you go on a bridge that only has east and west lanes and also over train tracks? His injuries were consistent of ones from bracing for impact and also shielding the baby. Almost every bone in the right half of Sam's body was completely shattered including most of his facial bones. 
Sam having put the car seat in place correctly, kept our son in place. Our son's left leg was broken at the growth plate. The engine came into the front seat, breaking Sam's legs also, then pushing back the front seats into part of the back. I was told that the only thing left of the back seat was the small right corner where the car seat had been. Most of it had been ripped from around the baby, only leaving the front harness restraining him. The baby also had multiple cuts, gashes, and a broken orbital socket which tore part of his tear duct. The impact from the accident was so hard, it shattered the baby food jars that were in the diaper bag in the trunk. A blanket in the truck was soaked in Sam's blood. CD shattered. I thank God every single day for the guardrail working the way it was intended to. Had it not been there or had it failed, our car would have fallen off the bridge to the train tracks, 75 feet below. The driver in the other car was killed, by the way. The wife and kid survived with severe injuries, eventually recovering. Our son Jordan has grown up fast. Well, it seems fast anyway. He's about to be 21, and he's serving his third year in the Army. He married his high school sweetheart Jessica back home here in Wisconsin on leave a year ago. They're expecting their first child, a daughter this summer. On the night we lost Sammy, I guess you could say I learned a few things. Always tell your family and friends that you love and appreciate them, because it only takes an instant for life to change.